We have a very wonderful speaker for everyone tonight. And let's just welcome a pastor, J.M. Becker, John Michael Becker from New Philadelphia Church. All right, good evening, everyone. It's uh, my honor to be able to speak here. I love joint prayer meeting. Uh, I absolutely love it. Get to lead prayer here almost every month uh, on behalf of Korea. Been doing that for almost three years now uh, here at joint prayer. And and, uh, I love the opportunities to get to share from the word as well. um, Because I just feel that God has a special place for this meeting. He just has a special place for when his people uh, just take a special time to come together, to pray on behalf of a nation, to pray on behalf of justice, and to simply seek his heart. And so I just honor all of you here uh, who gathered here tonight to worship. Uh, I really want to honor the praise team. Let's give it up for the praise team. That was beautiful. Well done, guys. Thank you. Tonight, what I'm going to share about is uh, some things that I have shared with some of you before at an all-night prayer meeting. Uh, It was at 6 in the morning. And uh, at Niagara Conference, even though it was a bit small, a seminar that I gave, I'm going to share some visions for North Korea. And some of this stuff you may have heard before if you've been coming out to join prayer for three years. Uh, if you haven't, you'll, you'll get a lot of new stuff tonight. But I'm going to throw out some new things as well. Uh, and I really want you guys to open your spiritual mind tonight and to let God speak to you. He's doing something special here. And I really believe God's wanting us to catch it in the spiritual room, to catch what is being shared in the spiritual room. So I'm going to say a prayer for us, and then I'll get into it. God, I thank you so much uh, for your grace in this place, and I thank you so much for your glory that is in this room, and for your glory that is being released in Itaewon even now. God, I thank you for our prophetic brothers and sisters who are seeing so many wild things, uh, Lord, as we're worshiping and as we're praising you, God, I thank you, Lord, for how you've given the body ears, you've given the body eyes, you've given the body mouth. And uh, God, I thank you so much, Lord, for those eyes and ears that are catching what you're doing all around this city right now, God, for the revival, Lord God, that is erupting in this place. And uh, God, I just ask that you anoint my mouth tonight as you've called me to be your mouthpiece, Lord, that these words will not be my own, but they will be yours and they will be life for your people. God, we just release the vision of the Lord tonight, and I pray an opening of every spiritual eye in this place, Lord, that we will grasp what you are doing in the spiritual realm, that we will see your amazing plans that you have for Korea. We exalt you, and we commit this evening to you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, briefly, uh, if you guys did not know, I've been in Korea for over six years. And um, it might seem kind of odd that you have this white guy get up here every month and lead prayer on behalf of Korea so fervently. Uh, But God has put a clear calling in my life. And this is some of the stuff I want to share tonight. And the way I came out here, uh, it wasn't just chance. I think a lot of you know my story, but to briefly sum it up, during my time at Virginia Tech, I was studying engineering, and God really put on my heart that I was to do missions. He made it clear because I had no, no desire whatsoever to do missions. Uh, but he gave me a desire I didn't have before. He revealed it within me. 
And so going into my last year at Virginia Tech, I prayed and fasted throughout the year, asking God, will you please guide me to where you want me to go? You've put this desire in me. Now I pray you guide me in your perfect will. And I prayed, God, I pray that you guide my parents with me. Because at that point, my parents were completely against me leaving the country. They wanted me to be an engineer and to be safe in America. And what ended up happening was uh, after the year passed, I came home, continued to fast and pray, and my dad began to have dreams. And he began to have very clear, vivid dreams of me serving at a specific children's home here in Korea, one that he'd never visited to. He'd never been outside of America, outside of uh, his honeymoon. But he, had, he was having these vivid dreams of this specific children's home in Korea. And it was a home that I had to contact too. And so I began to contact that pastor. Months passed, and we weren't really getting much work. But God just continued to release clear dreams. And God even spoke to my mother as well through her friends. And what happened was my parents, even though nothing was confirmed in the natural, it was so clear in the spiritual that they gathered uh, my sisters, my brother-in-law, and me together, and they each shared their heart. And they all said, to serve the orphans is a good thing, and we want to send you to go and do the Lord's will. We're no longer your responsibility. Uh, We release you, and we bless you. And they all laid their hands on me and prayed for me and blessed me. This is without anything confirmed for Korea. But once you know, later that week, I got the email from Pastor Che from that specific children's home here in Korea, and he invited me to come out. Okay? God spoke so clearly that we didn't need confirmation in the natural. Uh, They just laid their hands on me and blessed me. They knew it was going to come. And God has continued to give my dad dreams. He's just continued to speak, and specifically about North Korea. Specifically about North Korea, to the point where my dad, who once again has never done missions or had never done missions in his life, had never been outside the country, outside of a vacation to Jamaica, he was ready to drop everything and come out here and join me in the work because he knows it's going to happen. He is so certain that North Korea is going to open up. We're going to go in there, form children homes. We're going to gather the children and heal them, deliver them. They're going to be set on fire for the Lord. It's so clear. Okay, this is my dad. He's, he's a white man, an accountant in America. But it's so clear to him. Six years ago, six and a half years ago, he wouldn't let me go on missions. Now he's so certain of God's destiny, God's plan for Korea. So I'm going to share some of his dreams uh, tonight and and bless you guys with that. But uh, I want to briefly share about the power of dreams. The power of dreams. You see, in the Bible, before Joseph got raised up, what happened? There were dreams. There were dreams in the prison cell. And then Pharaoh had a very clear, he had two clear, vivid dreams. And then, boom, Joseph was raised up. He became the savior of Egypt and of his people. What happened with Daniel? Daniel was just in exile, but then the king had dreams. And he had such vivid dreams. Daniel interpreted just like Joseph and was raised up. He became number two over the Babylonian Empire, one of the greatest empires ever. And what about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Before he was born, if you read the book in Matthew, it is ridiculous. It's dream after dream after dream after dream to Mary, to Joseph, and to the wise men. Dreams mark a shift. Dreams mark something big that's about to happen in the spiritual realm that comes fast. See, Joseph, he was raised up in a day. Prison closed to number two. Daniel was in exile. He was raised up in a day. Number two in all of Babylon. 
Jesus, he hid himself for 30 years, but his ministry rocked the world within three years. And he died and he, was, and he rose again. Dreams mark a sudden shift. And I believe this is an hour God is releasing many dreams. God is about to bring a sudden shift. Now, don't laugh, but you guys need to pay attention to the times, church. And I've, I follow sports. I'm, I'm an avid sports follower. I've never seen an athlete come out of nowhere and take over nation or and lead a pitiful team on an amazing winning streak twice in six months. Okay, Tim Tebow came out of nowhere. All right, I know he had a few believers in him, but the whole sports world, oh, the whole NFL world didn't believe in him. And he took his pitiful team to the playoffs. And did you know he is now the most popular athlete in America? Tim Tebow, more popular than LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, than whoever. They took a poll. He won out. It was always Tiger Woods. It was always Michael Jordan. Now it's Tim Tebow. Out of nowhere. And I think you guys all know Jeremy Lin. Uh, all right, sisters. He took the pitiful Knicks on a seven. He took them on a seven-game winning streak. And that was without their two best players until, I guess, the very end of it. And now he's, he's, so, he's amazingly popular. And you know, both of these two men are strong Christians. Strong Christians. And uh, I remember hearing Jeremy Lin's testimony back when he was at Harvard. And I remember meeting Tim Tebow's spiritual father back in 2009 uh, here in Korea. Uh, an amazing man of God. And so these two are very much legit. And God raised them up like that. Out of nowhere. They're really like Joseph and Daniel, okay? And I'm not saying that to be funny, but I'm saying we need to pay attention to the times. This is not normal. All right, the whole sports world is recognizing that this isn't normal. Something strange is going on. Pay attention to the times, church. God is releasing more dreams, more visitations in this hour. This past week, I was reading the book of Acts. I was reading through it. And what stood out to me was in the early church... Angels' visitations were just normal. So over and over, I'm reading how angels showed up and talked to Peter, told him this. Angels showed up, talked to Philip, told him this. Angels showed up, talked to Paul, and told him this. And I felt God telling me very strongly, expect more of this. Expect more of this in this season. Expect more of this. And I always believed these things for way down the line. I always believed, okay, you know, at some point we're going to see teleportation. We're going to see, you know, crazy miracles like we hear about in other countries, you know, that we read, read about in the Bible. We're going to see that, but I always think it's way down the line. But I feel God saying, no, it's coming. It's coming quickly, and we need to catch it. We need to be ready for it. I led a missions trip to Myanmar in 2009, and on that trip, we were uh, having a bus ride or a van ride. It was a long, long ride, and we're all just sitting there. And our brother in the back corner uh, is worshiping, and suddenly he's just like this, and he's shaking, and he's speaking in a crazy tongue that he had never spoken in before. And it was obvious, even though I'd never seen someone taken up to heaven before, it was obvious that he was in heaven. Okay, and so we all patiently waited until he was back, and he shared, and it was really powerful. Uh, it was really beautiful. But that was just one time in 2009, and, and I didn't really press in for more of that. But then we went to Nepal a couple weeks ago, uh, a few weeks ago. I led a team there, 
And while there, God pressed on my heart and said, you need to pray for and expect heavenly visitations. You need to expect this. And so I shared it with the team, and we began to pray for it for the team and for the people that we were ministering to. And sure enough, the next morning I go outside, and one of our sisters is in that same position, crouched down, her hands up, and she's just shaking. And, and you know, she was somewhere else, and uh, she had been taken up, was having visions of Jesus. And that day, as we ministered uh, to the Nepali people, we saw other people there in that same position, their hands up, and they were just gone. And if you've heard the testimony, I went up to the keyboardist to try and get him to play, and I couldn't wake him up. I mean, he was just gone. And uh, we never got the testimonies from those Nepali people, whether they were taken up or not. So I can't say for sure, but it sure seemed like they were being taken up. And I felt God saying, and it was also kind of a, a, a yearning in my heart, that this isn't just for missions. That this isn't just for missions. And that was something I wrestled with my whole time in Nepal was that, God, I'm sick of going on missions and seeing stuff there, but not seeing it back here. I want to see it here. And I had to wrestle that out. And we came back, and this past Sunday, my wife, Skye, she shared uh, the testimony about how the rain fell in Nepal. uh, And how literally it it fell in a room uh, much like this. And people were feeling the tangible rain of God. And people were being touched without us ministering to them. And she shared it. And then uh, Pastor Marcus preached. And then he led an extended time of prayer. And after that prayer time, a brother shared about being taken up and then coming back down with Jesus. It was just wild visions that he was having. And then uh, another couple came up to me and shared about how gold dust was just forming on their hands. And, you know, the husband saw it and went like this, and it was on him as well. And just things were were getting messed up uh, around here. And again, I felt that God was saying, okay, that's, that's not it. Okay, this isn't just a sporadic sprinkle and there you go and I'll wait another 20 years. But God is doing something sudden. He's doing something sudden in this hour. He's releasing dreams. This is a season of dreams. Okay, and when there's a season of dreams, there's sudden shift. Like Joseph, like Daniel, like Jesus. Okay, and we're already seeing that in the natural. All right, with these athletes. And I really believe that we're going to start seeing it here in Korea both in the spiritual realm and in the natural, we're going to start to see that shift. God is about to do something. And I would not be here for six years if if I did not believe he was going to do something mighty here in Korea. I would not be here fervently leading prayer, every joint prayer, if I did not believe that revival was coming. And so I, I want to share, why would God choose Korea? And I'm going to share something brief, and then I'm going to get into these visions and dreams. But it's something that God began to speak to me the moment I arrived in Korea. And what happened was uh, I went to a church called JSEM, which is now New Philadelphia Hillside. And the pastor there, Pastor David, uh, who's now the pastor of Jubilee, a lot has changed in six years, uh, he asked me to share my testimony. And so I got up within just being there for a couple months. I got up and I shared my testimony. And I challenged the church on Isaiah 61. And how we need to serve the brokenhearted. We need to proclaim freedom for the captives. Reach out to the orphan, the homeless, the widow. And after that service, 30 people came up to me and they signed up for orphanage uh, volunteering. And uh, I was blessed, but I didn't know what I was doing. And um, I, I just didn't know how to plug them in. And I noticed a lot of other foreigners that were serving in the children's homes that didn't know what they were doing either. And so I felt led to just meet a need. My heart was for North Korea before I even came out here. 
And I knew, okay, that's the plan down the road. Uh, but God was telling me, you need to be faithful where you're at. You need to be faithful right here. And so I formed an orphanage ministry, and I called it Jerusalem Ministry. Jerusalem Ministry. Many of you might have heard about it. It's named off of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Go ahead and look at that right now. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's about to be taken up to heaven, and they're about to wait for Pentecost. In Acts 1.8, this is Jesus' command. I'm going to read it in the NIV. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, and what Jesus was saying to them was he said, Do not go. And fulfill the Great Commission yet. You need to wait and you need to be faithful where you're at. You need to wait for the Spirit and then minister where you're at. And then go to the land of Judea, which is the land to the south. Go to the land of Samaria, which is the rejected land, the idolatrous land to the north. And then go to the ends of the earth. And what God was speaking to me as I formed this ministry is that soul is my Jerusalem. It's where I'm at right now. It's where you guys are at right now. Okay, this is not perhaps the end game for most of us, but it's where God's called us to be in this season. And God's saying, be faithful in your Jerusalem. And as you're faithful in your Jerusalem, you will go to the land of the south, you will go to the land of the north, you will go to the ends of the earth. And right away, I began to see a strong correlation between the land of Israel and the land of Korea. And this was in 2006, and I haven't escaped it since. It's gotten stronger and stronger. And this is why I have such zeal for this nation, and I have such belief in this nation, because I know God's zeal for Israel, and I see the correlations between these two lands. Think about this. Unlike almost all the other countries in Asia, Korea is one race, one ethnicity. Okay, in China, there are many different races. I don't know if you're aware of that. Same with Vietnam, Myanmar, all these other nations. There's many tribes, many different people groups within the nations. Korea, it's the Chosun joke. It's the Korean people. Okay? There's one language. There's no, not these different dialects, just one language across this land. And the people of Korea, uh, they've been oppressed all throughout history. You've had different nations come in and out, uh, the China, the Mongols, Japan, and have oppressed this nation. But somehow, it survived on. And God chose Korea out of all the Asian nations for a mighty revival in the early 1900s. It was the first such revival to hit Asia. God poured out his spirit in, around Pyongyang in North Korea and across this peninsula. And the Korean people have been forever marked by a spirit of prayer. Okay, there's a spirit of prayer on this nation, even in the most religious areas. You can't deny there's a spirit of prayer on this nation that came from that revival. And what happened after that revival? Okay, Korea was oppressed. It was split in two. It had a civil war. What happened? The land to the north, it turned idolatrous. It became cursed. They expelled and killed and imprisoned the Christians there. The Christians fled to the south. And while the south is not a complete Christian nation, uh, it still has a good remnant of Christians in this place, and it has prospered. And God has blessed this nation in a ridiculous way, where just 60 years ago, it was slums, it was pitiful, uh, people, just orphanages everywhere. Now it's one of the most prosperous nations in the world. That's Korea. 
And if you study world history, there's only one other nation that can really compare to it. Okay, and it's the people of Israel. It's the Jewish people. Think about this. The Israelites were also a pure ethnic group with one language. When they were first formed after coming out of Egypt, during the time of the judges, which was, which was an extended time, they were continually oppressed by nations on either side. Nations would come in from the north, the south, the east, and west and oppress the people of Israel. And then they experienced a great revival under King David and King Solomon that was amazing. But after that revival, there was civil war and the country split. And to the south went the idolatrous people. And, I'm sorry. And to the north went the idolatrous people. And to the south fled those who still believed in God. And while Judah, the land to the south, was not fully after God, it still had enough people that God would bless that land. That God blessed Judah while Samaria, the land to the north, was cursed. The correlations are very eerie as you study this. And I'm going to go on. I want to ask you guys, what people group has been targeted the most by Satan throughout history? And I think it's obvious. It's the Jewish people. Okay, from Pharaoh releasing the edict to try and kill all the baby Jews. Okay, from then on, the Jews have been attacked time and time again. You study the Roman Empire. uh, They were so oppressive upon the Jews. And then you had the Crusades, the Inquisitions. You had all these other groups that oppressed the Jews. You had the Nazis, even the Italians as well under Mussolini. They oppress the Jewish people. And even the nation of Israel today, daily, they get threats and they get attacks from terrorist groups from the nations all around them. They are truly the most oppressed people group in the history of the world. And why would Satan keep oppressing them, though? Because Satan knows that God's made a covenant with these people from the beginning with Abraham. And he also knows that the first will be last. Okay, that the gospel in the end, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go to Israel. The first will be last. And when that happens, all these prophecies in Scripture are going to be fulfilled and the end will come. So Satan wants to obliterate the people. He wants to obliterate the Jewish people and take them out. And it's been proven all throughout history. Now let me ask you, what people group has the highest suicide rate, what's considered the highest abortion rate, the lowest birth rate, along with their own concentration camps, genocide, and are starving their own people? Think about that. Highest suicide rate, what's considered the highest abortion rate, I preached on that in 2009, the lowest birth rate, their own concentration camps, genocide, and starving of their own people. What other nation has that? It's Korea. It's Korea. You hear me share every joint prayer meeting about all the crazy struggles that this nation is going through, about all the different sins, all the different things. Korea traffics the most humans, okay, in slavery to Australia, Japan, and America than any other country. This is little Korea. More than China, they send more slaves out to these nations. It's ridiculous. And yet, Korea was once the birthplace of revival in Asia. And yet, you can see that even as it's turned to idolatry, even as it's turned away from that revival, Satan's not stopped. In fact, he's been accelerating his attack on this nation. It hasn't been until recently that the birth rate has gone down so drastically. Abortion's been bad for quite some time. Okay, suicide rate has increased in this time. You can see that just as Satan knows that there is a plan for the Jewish people, there is a plan for the Korean youth. He knows this, and he's been trying to kill them, to kill them in the womb, or to enslave them for years. Satan's a lot more aware 
of God's plans for Korea than most of the church. If we wake up and we look at the times, we look what's going on around us, we'll see this is not coincidence. This is not just, oh, we just sinned and messed up. Okay, we are not a completely fallen country. Korea does have some amazing churches in this land. This is not Thailand where people say, oh, it's just completely immoral. Or a nation like that where, oh, it's just cursed, give it up. No, Korea has a remnant both in the north and in the south that are zealous for God. And God has a special plan for this place. So I want you guys to open your mind here as I share. And I want you guys to receive this because what I'm going to share is my life. And it's the words that God has given me. It's Isaiah 61. You guys can turn there right now. We're going to go through this entire chapter. And I'm going to point out verses in this chapter that relate to Korea. This is the year of the Lord's favor, Isaiah 61. This is supposed to be about Israel. This is supposed to be in the end times. Okay, when everything is done, how God is going to choose Israel and set them apart. And he is going to bless them. And we read of amazing things in this chapter. All right, so this is for Israel, but this is also a chapter that the Christian church can claim for themselves. Uh, It's the vision for New Philadelphia Church and for many other churches is the vision that I brought when I came to Korea. Isaiah 61 is such a powerful word. And I'm going to show you guys how it relates to Korea verse by verse. You guys ready? All right, in that NIV, I'm going to read. Verses 1 through 3, I think these are verses everyone should know and perhaps have memorized. It says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. All right, and I, I took these three verses when I first came to Korea. They were heavy on my heart because I had gone through a season where I, I was asking God why. Why is there pain and suffering in the world? Why, if you're a father to the fatherless, If you say that you will not abandon your children, why are there so many orphans in the world today? And I was going through that season where I was questioning God's heart for justice. And I was questioning his grace. And I I, I kept asking, God, if you are such a loving God, how can you allow this? And I'm telling you, if you guys want to get your hands into injustice, you better tackle this. Okay, you got to get this straight and understand God's love. And what God made clear to me is he said, I have already shown the greatest act of love that I could ever show in the history of mankind, and that was through sending my son. I love the world so much that I sent my one and only son, okay, that the world will not perish, but those who believe in me would have life, would have life to the full. And he showed me that through that, it was more than enough, and then he had given us his Holy Spirit. And if he's a father to the fatherless, if he's a mother to the motherless, if that is his spirit, well, that same spirit is living in us now. And if we're truly living in obedience to his spirit, if we're truly walking according to his ways, then that's going to be our heart as well. That our heart is going to burn for injustice. Our heart is going to burn for the orphan, for the widow, for the homeless, for the hurting. And he says right here, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, not so that I can just enjoy worship, not so that I can just be happy, but the spirit of the Lord is upon you to preach good news to the poor to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, 
And so when I asked God, why is there still pain and suffering in the world? He said, well, get to it. Get to it. It's because my hands and my feet have not reached out far enough yet. Okay? And God is going to give us all that we need to be His hands and feet and to bring His kingdom to this earth. He wouldn't have commanded us if He couldn't do it through us. He has equipped us. Now look at the end of verse 3. I want you to focus on the pronouns as I go through Isaiah 61. First, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me so that I can do this, 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 this. At the end of verse 3, it says, They, who you minister to, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Those that we reach out to, those whose broken hearts we bind up, that we proclaim freedom to, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And what God told me the moment I got out here was that children's ministry, working with the orphans, doing my work, it's seed planting. Okay? And you got to wait. you got to learn to be patient and look to me. And sometimes you just want to make that tree grow. Okay? Or you just want, God, give me the visitation right now. But God says, no, you wait. Okay? I'm a river of living water. I flow. Just flow with me. Flow with me and they will rise up. And what God spoke to me clearly is that these children, this young generation of Korea, they will rise up as oaks. And what that means is that their roots will be deep and that when any storm, any wind, any attack of the enemy comes and starts to just ravage society, they will not be shaken. They will not be moved. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And a few years ago, uh, I remember having a dream one night Uh, I was living in the orphanage at that time. And in my dream, I was walking on the grounds in the orphanage. And I looked around, and there were just huge trees everywhere, all around the children's home. And there were huge leaves on these trees. And as I looked closely, I saw that all the leaves were just wet. Okay, there was clear water all over the trees. It was sunlight outside, but all the trees were wet. And then what happened was I saw all the wet, all all the, the water just gather up into the sky, and it was just like a big wet cloud. It wasn't white. It was just a mass of water that was in the sky. And then suddenly I was picked up, okay, and the world just started spinning underneath me. And when I landed, I was in a barren land. It was a dry, barren land, and I saw a farmer trying to harvest and trying to break up the ground, and it was just, it was like bronze. It was rock hard. And then I looked behind me, and I saw the water just coming, and it fell on the land. And even in the dream, I went, it's a miracle. I got so excited in the dream. I go, it's a miracle. And then boom, I'm at Virginia Tech and I'm speaking at a large auditorium in front of all these people about what God is doing in Korea. And I remember when I woke up, I knew right away it was a confirmation about the Oaks of Righteousness, okay, that those trees were the children Okay, and the, the, the water on the trees, the Holy Spirit, that God was going to pour out His Spirit upon them. They're going to rise up. And I knew immediately the barren land represented North Korea. And the water coming behind me represented the children. And that God was going to use the children to come and bring the rain in North Korea. But I didn't understand the end part. Why was I at Virginia Tech? And Virginia Tech was actually a place where at that time, uh, my wife was at, along with a number of people here uh, were at, close friends. And they were my former disciples. 
A lot of my friends were still at Virginia Tech at that time. And what God was telling me was that his plans were not just for me, not just for the children, but it's for all who receive and all who claim it. And that when I was at Virginia Tech and speaking, I was speaking forth vision, what God was doing in Korea, and people were receiving it. Not all, but some people were allowing their hearts to open and to be stirred, and that God had called them as well to join in this miraculous work, to join in what he is doing. And what God convicted me in that dream was that he has a plan for each and every one of us. It doesn't matter how old you are. I don't care if you're 20, you're 30, you're 50, you're 80. If you have life left, God has a plan for you. God has a mighty plan for you. His plan is not just to get through life and die. His plan is to proclaim his glory. His plan is to show the arm of the Lord here on earth, to be his hands and his feet. And as I look upon you all, I know that God is calling out an army right now. A lot of you don't know why you're here. You don't know why you're in Korea. You're still trying to figure it out, and you don't even know if this is where you're supposed to be right now. Okay, but God is calling so many of you to stay and to join in this work in North Korea. And he has amazing things in store. Let's look at verse 4. Pay attention to the pronouns. Verse 4 says, They, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. It's not us, okay? We're going to bind up the broken heart. We're going to proclaim freedom. We're going to love on them. But it says they, those that we minister to, they're going to do this work. They're going to rebuild the ancient ruins, restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And as I prayed for North Korea over the years, I can't escape this, that the young generation, they're going to go into North Korea, many of them North Koreans themselves, and they're not just going to rebuild that nation physically, they're going to rebuild it spiritually. And the wells that Satan has just buried, okay, those wells of revival, the youth are going to reopen. Those portals of heaven that were once open 100 years ago, okay, these youth are going to reopen. Just like Abraham and Isaac, just like the descendants of Israel who came later and reopened those wells, we're going to see the wells of revival in North Korea reopen, those ruined cities restored. Do you know that Pyongyang was once called the Jerusalem of Asia? It was so special. Those correlations of Israel and Korea, I'm telling you guys, it's something else. God is going to open up the wells of revival in Korea. Now, here you guys are. Verse 5. Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. Do you guys know why you're here? All right. I remember when God sent me to Korea, I said, why Korea, God? I did not want to come here. I'm being honest. I wanted to go where the gospel hadn't been preached. And in Korea, I already know they got, they got some of the biggest churches in the world. Why are you going to send me when I don't even know the language? To this nation. <laughs> Thank you, Haywan, because I'm an alien. <laughs> Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will tend your fields and vineyards. This word's got to be fulfilled. And I've heard prophecy after prophecy over Korea that revival is going to come from the outside. Now, you guys have probably heard this. So many people have spoken over Korea that revival is going to come from people coming from the outside in. And I don't know why God's going to do that, but look at yourself. Look at all you guys here. Why are you here? 
Why did you come back to the land that your parents tried to leave? Why are you here? Look, guys, God is in this. I'm telling you guys, 15 years ago, there were not this many foreigners. 15 years ago, there were not these many foreigners at all. In fact, in 2002, 2004, 2006, there were not many English ministries. If you guys were aware of this, when I first came out, there were just not that many churches. JSEM at the time, it wasn't that big. Now, Jubilee, which Pastor Dave uh, planted and founded, has hundreds of people. The New Philly Hillsides, it's, it's, I believe, doubled since then. Itaewon is a new church here. Uh, we're seeing other churches just grow and grow. Guys, God is doing something in this nation. And if you pay attention to the times, you'll see that it was a very sudden buildup. Five, ten years is not a long time. I doubt there's anyone, almost anyone here who's a foreigner who's been here for more than ten years. Anyone? More than ten years? No, right? We're pretty new, guys. Even five years is a long time for a lot of us. Yet God's called us out here. And people are making 10-year commitments. What's that all about? (laughs) Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. This means that the foreigners will come in and care for this young generation. Foreigners will come in not just teaching English, but I believe engineers, architects. People are going to come in and rebuild North Korea. They're going to restore this nation. They're going to be the social workers, the the people that are going to take care of the orphans. They're going to train them in the way of the Lord. God is going to bring in foreigners, aliens, you guys. He's raising up an army. Isaiah 61.6 says, You will be called, once again speaking of us, You will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of the nations, and in their riches you will boast. Hallelujah. Priests and ministers are called to be intercessors. Guess what you're doing every time you come to joint prayer? You're being a priest and a minister. You are interceding on behalf of a people. You are proclaiming blessing over them. That is exactly what priests and ministers do. You guys are already fulfilling this. Without even knowing it, you're fulfilling Isaiah 61.6. Now, the second part of this verse is a promise for provision. And I have to admit, over my years, I've wrestled over different things. And one of them has been provision. Because I've thought, okay, God, if I'm supposed to go into North Korea, and this is really a calling, then I'm going to expect a lot more than just 100 kids. So that's pretty pitiful, okay, to have all these grand visions and then just take care of only 100 children. 100 children, now that's admirable, but God's calling us to be an army. He's calling us to take a nation. So I don't think 1,000 or even 10,000 is enough. In fact, I think it should be about a million children in North Korea that are in need. Probably a lot more than that when you think that this population is over 20 million and yet two-thirds of the nation is starving. So let's just say a million kids. Let's just say 100,000 kids. 100,000 kids. I have to feed them every day. That's it. Let's just think about food. Let's say a dollar a day for every kid to feed them. $100,000 a day. Okay, God, you know. That's like way more than I'm raising in support for a whole year. Uh, How are you going to do this? And I remember in 2008, I was at home in Virginia, and there was a drought, and it was the same time that I was wrestling over this. And I remember walking outside and saying, God, 
just give my dad a dream. You know, speak to my dad. Reassure me about this. And I remember looking down at the ground, and it was like, and God, we need some rain. And I just remember that standing out. I still remember where I was walking on that sidewalk when I prayed that. And once you know, a few months, a uh, few days later, the night that the rain broke, the drought ended, my dad had a vivid dream. And in this dream, uh, he said it was like Masterpiece Theater. He was in this huge boardroom, and you had different delegates from three different nations who were there. You had Japanese delegates, you had Korean delegates, you had delegates from China, and you had me. Okay, And we were talking and discussing uh, the ministry for the children of North Korea. And what they said was that it could not be, the name could not be outright Christian because they would be providing all the funds. But that the name had to symbolize integrity, trustworthiness, and faithfulness. It had to symbolize those three things. And I know trustworthiness and integrity are, are similar, but that's what my dad heard in the dream. And so we were discussing these things, and my dad woke up. And when he woke up in the middle of the night, it was thunderous rain. I think you guys have, have heard certain monsoons where suddenly the rain comes in such a way that it's just smashing the ground. And he heard that for about 30 seconds. And then it subsided, and he fell back asleep. And he had a second dream. And it was the exact same room. It was the exact same people. And our conversation had moved on. Now we were discussing the uniforms for the children. And we were going to split the children into different groups according to their gender and their age group. And we were discussing the Chinese character that would be on the children's uniforms, what it would symbolize. And we were speaking about joy, about fortune, about things like that. And you have to understand, my dad doesn't know about uniforms in Korea. He doesn't know the word hanja, and that on many Korean uniforms, they have a Chinese character that symbolizes their school or their academy. He didn't know any of this stuff. He's just having this dream. And as we were discussing it, he woke up again. And again, middle of the night, it's downpour of rain for about 30 seconds. And he felt the Holy Spirit so strongly. And then it subsided, and he fell back asleep. And when he got up in the morning, he had his usual quiet time. And his quiet time was Daniel chapter 6, Daniel in the lion's den. And in that chapter, I think you all know it well, the government officials, they try and find dirt on Daniel, okay, because they are jealous of him. And in verse 4 and 5, this was what was highlighted to my dad, Daniel 6, 4 and 5, it reads this. At this, the administrators and the satraps try to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of governmental affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Let me emphasize that. Because he was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent. That wording basically means that Daniel was trustworthy, a man of integrity, and he was faithful in all that he did. And those were the three things that they said had to symbolize the name of the ministry that they would all provide for. You will feed on the wealth of the nations and the riches you will boast. Church, we have to believe for more. And we can have peace as well. That if God has something far greater than we can imagine, he's going to provide in far greater ways than we can imagine as well. And my dad, he wrote it all down. He said, you've been praying, haven't you? And he gave it to me. I said, yeah. 
That was 2008. God's been continuing to speak year after year. And it's growing. It's building. The prayer movement is building. Visions are being released more and more. Visitations are happening more and more frequently. I want you to catch this church. I want you to receive this church. You're not here just to teach and to go home with a little extra money. God has something more in store for you. He has something far greater than you could ever comprehend in store for you and for this nation. Look at verse 7. Isaiah 61, verse 7. Again, follow the pronouns. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land, and everlasting joy will be theirs. Think about what's oppressed Korea so much for so long. It's shame. It's shame. Shame has just marked this nation. But it says, instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. They will inherit a double portion in the land, and everlasting joy will be theirs. My dad had a vivid dream a few years ago where we were on the DMZ and we were standing there on the border and he could see the mountains of North Korea. And he said he saw what was like a shadow that was coming across over the mountain. And as he looked more closely, he saw it was the children. And he said it was the the most sad sight just children in, in raggy clothes, broken and starving. And they could see us, and they were focused on us, and they were just walking across that mountain. And he said that um, they just kept coming, and it was like a shadow going across the mountain. And they were coming down to us. And North Korean soldiers on the border saw the children started yelling at them. And they began to open fire on the children and, and smack the children with their guns. The children just ignored them and kept going. And they just kept focused on us, and they weren't going to stop. And my dad said that as the soldiers were shooting at the children, they looked at the children closely, and they saw themselves and the children. And the soldiers fell to their knees and began to weep. And that was the dream. And I remember when he shared that with me, it was just the heaviest dream in the world. And... To think of these children, and church, do do not forget these children. Just how desperate they are. And just the hope that we possess. And they know it. These children, they know it. They know it more than we know it. And they're wanting it so bad. And even though the world is going to try and stop them, the world can't do anything. And I, I believe it's just a symbol of what's to come. And that God is going to choose this young generation. And he's going to set them apart. And those who are going to try and stop them may oppress them for a time. But they too are going to repent. They too are going to see their need for a Savior. And God's been giving me visions of these children for years. And it's what enables me to carry on in this ministry. So I'm not going to joke. It's not easy when I don't see things in the natural for six years. When I don't see that much. But God continues to give me these pockets of dreams, of visions. He'll just reveal things, and it'll become so fresh. And one vision that I can't get out of my mind, and I shared it briefly with the Nepal team before we went to Nepal, is that what I keep seeing in North Korea 
is people like us going out there and just setting up a stage and these children just gathering and them hearing, hey, there's provision there. Hey, there's food there. Hey, there's hope there. And them just gathering from different provinces, different regions. And them coming together and just standing. And I just see people on stage just in faith worshiping. And these children just falling. The Spirit of God going across the land and just falling upon them. And these kids getting wrecked. They don't even know what's hitting them. They don't even know of Jesus Christ or God or creation. But God is just going to hit them. And he's been waiting, church. God's been waiting for decades. He's been waiting for so long to touch these children. And he's going to hit them. They're going to receive a double portion. Everlasting joy will be theirs. And what I see is that these children getting healed and delivered without us laying hands. God's just going to rain on them. And then them getting up. And there's a joy and a strength about them that wasn't there before. And it wasn't from earthly food. It wasn't from them getting their provision of food. It was from them getting their spiritual food. The food that nourished Moses for 40 days and 40 nights. Them getting filled with the Spirit of God. And these children that were once malnourished and stunted, growing and being strengthened and dancing and singing. And I see these children shouting with such joy that the land is going to shake in North Korea. And the authorities are going to be baffled. Because they're going to say, why are these kids, these kotchebi, these, these poor orphans, why are they so filled with joy? What's happened to them? Everlasting joy will be theirs. And I want you to understand, God's done this before. He's already been doing it in Mozambique for a while. Oh, almost 100 years ago in China, uh, there was an orphanage. And it's my favorite book. Because it, it just, it's all about what I'm sharing right now. Uh, it's by H.A. Baker, Visions Beyond the Veil. And what it's about is about a, an orphanage in China back in the early 1900s where this man, he just he took together a bunch of beggars and thieves and he fed them and he clothed them and sheltered them and he would lead them in morning prayer. Nothing happened there. Almost no kids were saved. Saw very little fruit for some time. And then suddenly the Spirit of God just poured out. And when I say it poured out, I mean these kids all across the room being taken up to heaven, being taken back to biblical times, being taken to the future, showing visions of angels, of demons, of heaven, of hell. Children who didn't even know the Bible were seeing David kill Goliath. They were seeing Daniel's friends uh, in the fiery furnace. And they were sharing these stories as if it was just a made-up story that they had seen. That's what God did. And these children, they got filled with the Spirit so much that they had spiritual gifts. And they went out to the village and they preached and they prophesied one by one. They would get in lines. And one would go up without a word and he would just start prophesying. And they would be like, who are these little beggars? Why are they so educated? Why are they so strong? And it was just one little place in China where this happened. And apparently what happened was H.A. Baker, the author, he had to leave China because of the revolution. And apparently all those children were martyred. They went out because they were so in love with the Lord. And they died for God. That was just a small outpouring. And I believe that God will do these things, small outpourings, as just, it's just what's about to come. It's just a tremble, a shaking before the mighty earthquake. And we've been seeing it in Mozambique now. And I believe God has chosen Korea. God has chosen this land. 
And what he's going to do is show the year of the Lord's favor in Korea as a prophecy of what's going to come in Israel. That what's going to happen here is now going to go back to Jerusalem. <coughs> Excuse me. Look at verse 8 and 9. It says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. This is where the correlation becomes so strong. You guys already know God's made a covenant with Israel. He's done that by the time of Abraham. And he said, I'm going to make this covenant for the thousands of generations. That's 30,000 years. Okay, it's still very much alive today. And yet it says here, I'm going to make an everlasting covenant with them. This is a special covenant. This is what comes in the year of the Lord's favor. And what I believe is that this same covenant that God is going to make with Israel in the end times and set them apart, that God is going to make this covenant with the Korean youth, with this young generation. God is going to set them apart like no other in human race. God is going to bless them, and their descendants will be known among the nations, their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge they are people the Lord has blessed. When I prayed for the nations, Psalm 2.8, ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. I prayed for the nations for many years, and God keeps saying Korea, Korea. I think it's ludicrous. Well, God, Korea, that's a lot of people. Why don't I just pray for China? And God, God will always say no. Just Korea. Excuse me. <clears throat> Just Korea. The children will take the ends of the earth. It's their inheritance. All who see them will acknowledge they are a people the Lord has blessed. You see, it's the children of North Korea who understand suffering and loss. They know what it is to starve. They know what it is to lose their parents. They know what it is to lose everything. They've given it up. They don't know materialism. They don't know the temptations of the world. Their faith is pure. And when they know the spirit of God, they're not going to let go for anything. And they're going to give up the world for Jesus. Their kingdom is in heaven. Their kingdom is in heaven. They're the people that will go to China. They're the people that will go to Afghanistan. They're the people that will go to Iran. They'll go wherever. They don't care. They love God too much. They want to be with God too much. So they will trust and they will obey. God is setting apart this young generation. They already know what it is to suffer. They've already given up everything. What's it to them? They will have a peace that we dream about. They will have a trust that we yearn for. God is setting apart the children of Korea. I mean, guys, why is there the abortion rate? Why is there the suicide rate among the youth? Okay, why are so many of them dying? Why are so many of them being enslaved? Why is there so much genocide? Why is there so much starvation? It's because Satan is trying to kill this young generation. He's figured it out before we did. But now we know. Now we see it. And God's work will prevail. It will prevail. Satan cannot exterminate the Jews. He cannot exterminate the Korean youth. And I believe that this young generation is going to have wisdom. They're going to be set apart. And I've shared this at a joint prayer meeting before. How Daniel and his friends, they were exiles, they were scarred. Likely their, their parents, their family had been killed. They had been separated from them. But guys, they were likely eunuchs. I mean, it's rough, okay, what they went through. And yet they rose up as the leaders of that nation. 
It's the leaders of that nation. They receive wisdom beyond all the other wise men of that empire. And I've shared with you before how the disciples were fishermen, zealots, and tax collectors. They were outcasts in society. And yet the chief priests, the leaders, the kings, they were amazed. They were amazed. God's going to do the same in the youth. Let's look at verse 10. It says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest... And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Guys, this is a verse for us, and I preached on this last year. Okay, it's choosing the right clothes. Listen to that message. It's basically, we need to be moving in God's grace, not clothed in our own works. Okay, if you clothe yourself in your own works, you find your identity in your own works, you're going to strive. And you're either going to be overwhelmed by stress, or you're going to be overwhelmed by pride. Because of what you've done. And God's going to remove you. He's going to have to remove you. But when you're clothed in grace, you know this is God's working. This is God's will. He's doing it. He's in control, and I can rest. And I can move in his rest. He has clothed us with garments of salvation, robes of righteousness. In the last verse, verse 11. For as the soil makes the sprout come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. God's going to do this before all nations, church. All the nations are going to see. You've heard the, the words by different people who, who study the economy, how if Korea comes together, their economy is going to shoot up. How this nation is just going to be blessed. And that's in the natural. But God's going to set apart Korea in such a way that while the nations are dealing with corruption, economic loss, wars, and all sorts of, of junk, Korea is going to be blessed. This small little nation is going to be blessed. These people, this race, not because we're, we're special in any certain way. It's just because God's chosen us. God's going to bless Korea. I want you guys to catch this church. Let's pray.